four mindsets that help you succeed. This is the focus group. Listen, laugh, and learn. You have to drill, drill, drill that target audience. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Until they are consuming your product, not because they love it, but because they can't escape. We're all business. Drill, baby, drill, baby. No more pussy footing around. Except when we're not. Hey. Welcome to the Focus Group and one of Tim's most certainly best openers, because that's our good friend Ms. Palin saying, no more pussy floating around. And that used to just be a great meme clip, and then one of our listeners got all upset because they thought we were promoting her too much. I thought we were doing exactly what we wanted to do, which was to show what a character she was, right? (laughs) No more pussy footing around. She wanted to drill all that oil in Alaska. Oh, my God. I remember when she was named as the VP pick for McCain. Bob and I were vacationing in Hawaii, and we went to a grocery store, and I had not been paying attention to anything, and she was on the cover of Time magazine. I thought, oh, no, they could actually pull this off. She might be a good pick. But then I could see Russia from my porch. Right. What magazines and periodicals do you read? The ones that come to the house. (laughs) What comes to the house? Oh, I don't know the usual ones, you know, the Anchorage Journal or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> she couldn't even name a newspaper. So you're very or, colorful there in your uh, in your freedom background. Well, I don't know why you don't do a background. Each week I try to change my background. You you keep your static. I don't know. You're you're oh, uh, you're letting you're it's letting a technical issue. In. It's a technical is that what issue. It is? Yeah. So you're you're coming to us via Skype, and since I'm uh, the primary producer. You're um, the producer, you can't do it. My, I can't, unless I put a green screen behind me, which I have been thinking about. And then we could be anywhere. We could be in France or Spain or outer France. space. It forces <laughs> you to make your bed. Yeah, That's what's does. good about yeah. it. Because there's a t-shirt you your hanging bed made. there. Oh, you got a t-shirt hanging up? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, although I probably made the wrong selection of uh, a Broadcasting 101 with a striped shirt today. It's probably making people's lines go a little blurry, but... Other than that, I like I, that uh, shirt. And, you know, in our old studio and, you know, to, to the, all the listeners, you know, the boys in the booth are still in the booth, but we're not connecting through the studio. Um, you know, we couldn't wear green in the past, you know, no. like, so I'll look in my closet now and I'll see a shirt. I'll be like, oh, I could wear that now. It's green. And for a long time, I didn't buy green things because of that very reason. And uh, and I like green. I like green as well. Actually, it's funny. I almost wore a green shirt today. I tried to wear something different than what I've worn before. Not that anybody notices. I notice when I edit. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to wear something different. But I believe in the old Steve Jobs model, which I think you do too, with underwear and socks at least, is if you wear the same thing every day, you don't have to think about it. And that's one less thing you have to make a decision about. So if you're always going to wear a black turtleneck and jeans... Yeah, of course you could do that in California, right? We can't do that here when it's 110 and muggy. He even but had it, it down to his sneakers. He had like a yeah. room full of those New Balance, right? And he knew he knew he was going to wear the same thing every day, so there was no decision as do I wear the black turtleneck or the black turtleneck, and do I wear jeans or jeans, right? True, and um, I'm like that. You are right with underwear, socks, and a lot of other things too. I'm happy with one pair of shorts, one pair of jeans. Hey, I had um. A recommendation for you. I don't know if you've seen this, but if you haven't, I would like you to put it on your Netflix queue. I think you will laugh a great deal. It's called American Vandal. Have you heard of this? American Vandal, no. Yeah, so American Vandal's on Netflix. It is a... Well, can I be... I'll be truthful and say it took us three episodes before we realized that this was scripted and (laughs) that what we were watching 
So it's purportedly a, a California high school AV club puts this Uh-oh. kind of thing like a real crime together because what happens is there's an act of vandalism in the teacher's parking lot and uh, they come out one day and 27 cars have 27 phalluses spray painted on them and they, they nail one kid who's like the bad apple of the school and the head of the AV club decides he's going to exonerate him and do this like true crimes thing, interviewing people and teachers. It's hysterical. And there's two seasons, and it was done in 2018, so it's called American Vandal. American Vandal. I'll have to watch that. So I had a bunch of, and I don't know what service it's on, but I had a bunch of people contact me about the Go-Go's documentary that just I came just out. saw a clip. Um, I, actually, an article that I read, when I should say clip, but it's supposed to be pretty good, right? Yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd like to watch it. I was a huge Gogos fan back in the back in the 80s. I always dreamed that maybe Belinda Carlisle might meet me and fall in love and we'd get married. <laughs> well, Belinda Carlisle apparently has a pretty big role in the documentary because there was one of the Gogos took a hiatus from the band and then they replaced her. Do you know about that? No, I I, I probably if I dug into it would know, but I, I do know all those bands seem to I shouldn't say all those bands, but they always seem to have some sort of inner conflict happening all the time, which which kind of throws things off kilter and they they dissolve. And I think that happened to the Go-Go's, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah. 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 I, I, I always liked them. She I used to call on she had a boyfriend, apparently somewhere in Virginia. I used to call on a, a military installation there right out of college. And uh, I always thought she'd be laying by the pool. Oh, hi, Tim. <laughs> oh, I'm my was... biggest fan. I can't wait. Right I'm so glad you found me, biggest fan. Right. Although I doubt she was at the Holiday Inn Richmond lying by the pool. <laughs> so... <laughs> hey, the Holiday Inn Richmond would be better than the Howard Johnson's Richmond, right? <laughs> or the, the La Quinta. Hojo, the La Quinta. But did, you get the, did you get the free cookies? I think you got the free cookies on La Quinta when you came in, right? Remember? That was Double Tree. That was Double Tree. I don't know. Okay. La Quinta may have as well. That was always the running joke with the agency people. What's La Quinta mean in Spanish? Free cookie? No, next to Denny's. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Next to Denny's, that that was that agency. You got some stories about that bunch, I tell you. Yeah. So, what can you do? Hey, as many of you know, um, Fiverr is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group, and we want you to visit Fiverr.com and start checking out this amazing service. Freelancers, well, put it this way: Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses like ours with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services from graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing. Tim even puts jingles in that category as well, <laughs> because we do know some people that have had jingles done, right? Yeah, and the best part about Fiverr, particularly now with uh, with what's happening, is people are uh, the the pivot to people accepting virtual or remote work. To me, has been Cat, it, it, it's, is cataclysmic the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. Seismic but shift. Seismic shift. That's a better. That's a better way of saying it. And um, so Fiverr is really the right right company at the right time because you and I have found uh, designers or talent from whether it's Bangladesh, Vietnam, Australia, Germany, or the U.S. And the other great part about it that we found is whether you have budget constraints or time constraints, you can log in all of those criteria. And be able to find somebody that could do your job. And whether it's a $25 job or a $2,500 job, you'll be able to find somebody in the time you need to do it. So we're huge fans of Fiverr, and uh, we use them quite a bit. Well, I've used it from everything. And I think if you are a listener of the show, you probably heard me talk about this from 
having a logo converted to a specialized format for a machine to stitch it onto a garment, and trust me, that's not something <laughs> you encounter every day, into, um, I'm a big user of Adobe Illustrator, which is a graphics package, and sometimes we've had to have graphics created literally in hours, and you can get on Fiverr, you can send them something, the, the person you choose to work with, and we've had really good luck with communication and with turnaround yeah. and with final product being fantastic. So I, I don't have a complaint. Right. So be sure to, uh, if you check out Fiverr, go to Fiverr.com, which is F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and you'll receive 10% off your first order. And uh, it's by using our code, which is FOCUS, F-O-C-U-S. Again, you can find all the digital services or freelancers that you need at Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code FOCUS. Again, it's Fiverr.com code FOCUS, and you get 10% off your first order. We'll also post it on our Facebook page, which is FocusGroupRadio.com. In case you did not write it down, you can head over there and check out how to contact Fiverr. Excellent. All right. Um, I would also like to just add one little thing to Fiverr. Sometimes people uh, can go there and begin to offer services as well. So you might want to, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking to provide services for folks, check it out as well. That's great. That's actually a great point, John. I, All right. I, so what caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So th this story, so we all know that uh, in the last uh, few months, there's, there was lots of talk about changing of brands and, and iconic images that we may have grown up with on brands that are now perceived to be either politically incorrect or in many cases racist such as the Land O'Lakes uh, butter, uh, Indian that was on the butter packet, uh, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's rice, the Eskimo pies, these sort of things. And there was a petition that started um, by somebody on change.org about um, requesting that Trader Joe's change the names of some of their products. So Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's has a few products named, and they've taken Trader Joe's, and they've modified it to say Trader Jose's or Trader Ming's Kung Pao Chicken, Trader Jose's premium lager beer from Mexico. There's something else called Trader Giotto's, which was a was Italian line of foods. And so a Trader Joe's representative had said probably three or four weeks ago that we are looking at changing all our product names and uh, we're going to uh, to discontinue them and left it at that. And so someone from Trader Joe's this past week, though, said not so fast that uh, there may have been a miscue in communication. And they said that, um, which I found interesting, they said that this was dated uh, end of July. In, a recent, um, in light of recent feedback and attention we've received about our product naming, we have some things we'd like to clarify <laughs> and clarify in our approach. And we want to be clarify. very clear. Okay. Right. So they said we want to be very clear. So this is the communications and PR and marketing departments, as I read this, not talking together. It says, we want to be very clear. We disagree that any of our labels are racist. Decades ago, our buying team started using product names like Trader Giotto's, Trader Jose's, Trader Ming's, etc. We thought then, and still do, that this naming of products could be fun and show appreciation for other cultures, it continued. We do not make decisions based on petitions. And it went on to say that um, somebody may have jumped the gun by reading that there was this change.org petition but in fact, they make their decisions based upon their own internal um, discussions with either crew members and customers and customer feedback, not by petitions. And they said they've heard from many customers that uh, actually reaffirm the name variations 
and people viewed them largely as what they were intended as an attempt to be fun and, and uh, product marketing. And they said, if in fact people feel the packaging is racist and they don't buy the products, the products will be taken off the shelf. But they said, this is not the case. And, uh, there would be no changing of the, of the names in the short term. And, uh, so it, it really, they, they kind of, I, I read this and I thought, wow, this was where somebody jumped the gun at Trader Joe's cause it actually was an official person, um, that put out this, uh, this PR release that they were going to change the names. And then they ba- had to backtrack to say, not so fast. We're not going to do that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because you and I have often talked about miscues and miscommunication within corporations and. This looks like I don't know if it was the parent company that said he'll hold on or or uh, it, w- it was uh, someone from another department. But it doesn't go that far. But that's what my guess is as, as to what happened. You know, the graphics that I'm putting up um, that you had provided for the show today it, until you spoke some of this, I actually you know, there's Trader Ming's. I didn't even I just saw Kung Pao Chicken. But now right. I get it. And then there's the image of the taco shells that you provided. Right. Those are Trader Jose's. Right. And then the Trader Jose imported uh, the premium lager from Mexico. I I was not offended by these. Obviously, I'm a white male saying this, and that might be the problem. But I, I, didn't, I never thought it was done in a mean-spirited way. I thought it was exactly what the rep from Trader Joe said. That this right. was an effort to connect in a fun way with all their different customers, right? And they didn't they they don't use any any imagery, so it's just simply type. the name, right? So it's Trader Jose's type, Trader Ming's, and there's a whole line of Asian food, a whole line of of uh, either Mexican or or uh, uh, food around uh, around the Jose's name with with, with, with drinking pro- with beer as well. I I was I was glad to see this, be, only because I thought. There were issues with the icons such as Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben's, right, that were kind of harkened back to minstrel days or or um, racist uh, tropes from before. I, I suppose you could you could make a make a case for the use of print. But there, there is as far as I know, there is no imagery, right? There's no, no icon. No. And that would have been the more problematic thing if there was like a little cartoon character or um, I'm thinking of Mrs. Butterworth or other right. l- other like iconic things from, you know, our past with with products. But I, no, it's just typography. I'm looking at it again, yeah. Trader, Trader Ming's. And it's so in my opinion, it's so subtle. Like if I didn't realize that said Trader Jose's, ta- I just read Taco Shells. You know, as a consumer, I'm looking for oh, taco shells. Oh, it's Trader Jose's. That's funny that their name's Trader Joe's. Right. And it's funny you said that because I've done the same thing you have. You and I are fans of Trader Joe's. I've been in Trader Joe's and I think I just, my mind just didn't even notice the Jose or notice because I buy, I love their Asian food that they have there. I just never noticed that it said Trader Ming's. I probably just assumed it said Trader Joe's and I, I recognized the colorful packaging and picked it up. Yeah. Got the dumplings or whatever and moved on. So. But I thought this was this is one of those things where jumped you and I have gun. often talked about somebody jumped the gun and now they've uh, now they have to repair. And as we also know, just changing packaging is not a simple thing. <laughs> You're looking at weeks, if not months, right? I remember one of our old mentors, Tim Mahoney, said one time, because we were talking about trying to do something on an assembly line. He goes, it, it's the equivalent of me asking Doritos to make a few bags of round ones. <laughs> <laughs> 
You must have been talking about something automotive, right? Right. We'll we'll just make some of these. (laughs) This is a whole process. It'd be like telling Doritos, you know, let's do it. Let's do a week around Doritos. No, (laughs) they're they're triangular for now. Forever until the machine. Yeah. Yeah. So what caught your eye? So um, art project caught my eye. Um, There is a artist, Tanya, Tanya. T-O-N-Y-A, Tanya Ruiz, who goes by the name Grandma Gets Real, and she created a relatable line of Barbie quarantine dolls. So they're one of a kind. They're It's an oh art project, but they're hilarious, and um, I think I might have sent you some of those from the uh, for the show run. One of them is like, Barbie, quarantine, bread-baking Barbie, and the doll is covered in flour, and then there, she she does this thing where I'll, I'll read it. It says, uh, has gathered a large following on social media with her realistic versions of Barbies. The former model has been collecting dolls and miniature props to recreate different real-life situations in a one-sixth scale during the event. She began the quarantine Barbie project with the aim of creating a doll everyone could relate to while at home. <laughs> and so one of them, as I said, is this uh, quarantine bread-baking Barbie. And all the miniature props are like butter, margarine, flour, a little bag of Mrs. You know, Mrs. Pilsner, whatever that flour is, a mixing bowl. It's hysterical. <laughs> and, and then the dolls, as I said, just covered in, in, in flour. Um, and then she, the artist, uh, Grandma Gets Real, said, I had always wanted to make spoof Barbies like I had seen on The Ellen Show. Um, when the quarantine started and I saw a couple of funny pandemic Barbies, I thought that I should make a Barbie that everyone could relate to. I created the quarantine starter pack, and that one is a doll that comes in stretch pants, and it's and there's like candy all around her and all this other stuff. And it was so popular, she started making more of these art pieces. So now I'm going to call up another image here. So is it an art piece, or is it? Uh, could you? Could, is she selling these? No, no, I don't. I, from what I can tell, this is like these are one right. of a kind. She posted on Instagram or social media, and you just enjoy the picture. Although I bet people would love to buy one of these. So I'm showing two now. Uh, one is quarantine quarreling couple, and the dolls are packaged to be facing away from each other. And it says bickering about housework includes um, best selling book, how to split household chores. And there's an iron and a little tide bottle and a little mop and a little egg thing. I mean, and it's, it's like, and the dolls are back, their backs are to each other and they're clearly quarreling. And then another one of hers that I love is called zoom Ken and zoom Ken (laughs) is basically dressed for business from the waist up. And he's got a shirt and tie and there's two little babies on his shoulder. And then there's a toilet next to him, some Starbucks stuff, an iPad, and Basically, he's just wearing boxer short with shorts with hearts on him. Zoom can. I like that one. Here's another one that I didn't show, but it says, the what time is it quarantine edition Barbie went viral. And it's been funny hearing all the reactions. And then there's one called what day is it? And those dolls are propped with um, watches, calendars. And, and then there's also one called binge Barbie. And it's kind of a little remote control. There's a little miniature TV, TV with some set. Netflix thing going on. And I just think they're hysterical. I, I think they're brilliant. Yeah. Smart idea. Smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I bet Zoom Ken's probably in shorts and like a, a, a shirt, maybe a shirt and a tie, but shorts on the bottom are his boxer shorts. Yeah, boxer shorts. shorts. Those, those, he's just wearing like, because he only needs to be seen by coworkers right. from the waist up. So <laughs> I just like when someone takes something, um, 
like this the situation we all find ourselves in and then just makes it fun and you look at it and yep. you laugh so not not badly done that's funny all right it's time for the business birthday everyone does celebrity birthday greetings but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays so this is uh so today actually was interesting because there were two business birthdays i could have done and um but i ended up picking the one that um there was one that was obvious. It was one of the founders of LinkedIn. Mm, okay. And uh, and, and for what we do, is, that would be yeah. Right, Reed Hoffman, and and it, it, but he ended up being a, a big investor in lots of hedge funds and monies and stuff. And then the, the story got in the weeds. I thought this other person though popped up that I don't think we've ever covered before, but we know exactly what he did, but we didn't know his name. Stanley Durwood. Born August 5th, 1920. He died in 1999 in July at 78 years old. Was a businessman, um, philanthropist as well in Kansas City. But he's known for building the very first multiplex movie theater in the 1960s. Uh, he'd gone to Harvard University. He was a navigator in the Army um, in World War II. He came back home and worked for his family. So his dad and his uncles were um, vaudeville performers. And they used to get upset because they would go to towns and then the theaters would either be booked or they would get canceled or whatever. So they decided to buy their own group of theaters in Kansas City so that they could always put on their shows. And so, so and their last name was Dubinsky. And they ended up changing the name to Durwood um, to sound, I guess, more quote unquote American. The, um, so the, his uncles, they built this theater chain. And after many decades, they had, they had over 40 theaters in Missouri and Kansas. And so Stanley, one of the sons, starts working for uh, his uncles and his dad, and they start doing movies. And he said at the time, uh, at the time in the 60s, uh, when he took over the theaters, he said it was a, a big change going on in the U.S. and lots of demand for, um, de- demand for movie theaters they felt was just going to go away because TVs were coming into everybody's houses, right? The TV's going to ruin the, ruin the movie. So he had a 600-seat uh, Roxy Theater, he called it, in downtown Kansas City. And he said there was a – his inspiration was <laughs> there was a low-budget um, and slow-selling Abbott and Costello movie. <laughs> and nobody was coming to see the Abbott and Costello movie. So he decided – he thought, you know what? I've got all these people coming to see this so-so movie. If I just closed off the balcony and showed another movie up there – I could have two so-so movies going on and have the same staff and increase ticket sales. So he did that. So he essentially was showing one movie up top. He, he'd closed off the, the balcony and would show one movie there and then another movie downstairs. And he said so essentially he, he didn't have to add any staff, but he would, he would uh, increase ticket sales. And so he essentially in 1963 opened the first theater designed and constructed as a multiplex uh, in Missouri and uh, – in the Kansas area, and then he, they eventually grew to be the fourth largest movie chain, uh, changed the name to American Multi Cinema, which uh, we know as AMC, in 1969. He's also been credited with inventing the armrest cup holder and studio style seating in the theaters, which he did in 1981. And uh, he died of esophageal cancer in 99. He gave an awful lot of money to, um, to a number of... Uh, of charities in the Kansas area. A couple of tidbits. He suggested that all of the eight Midwestern states should be merged into one with Kansas city as a seat of government. He said it would be much more efficient 
if there was just one big state. Everybody thought this was some sort of grand vision, but typical of him. And they said he had an uncanny ability to remember the birthday of everyone he met. And he did one-handed push-ups into his 70s. So happy birthday to Stanley Durwood. It's such a good birthday because I think we take the multiplex for granted. I mean, we grew up with uh, movie theaters that had, you know, we had, in fact, it was the norm for a multiplex. It was unusual for a one-show a one movie right. theater house, right? In fact, those were like the dollar cinemas you and I used to go to when we were kids. Like with the second, the movie ran from the main theater to the the other one, right. and then you go to one of these small towns, right? Yeah, they they said that he. Um, so the the Brits have claimed as early as 1915 that they did some sort of multi theater thing. The Canadians also have claimed in the uh, in the early 20s and 30s to do one, but. They said there was a difference between having other theaters versus this multiplex idea. So, and, and typical with a lot of these things, the history kind of gets rewritten, right, depending upon who's looking at it. But uh, I checked a number of sources, and it, he, in fact, was known as the the, the inventor father. of the the father, father of, of of multiplex and the cup holders and stadium seating. And well, so the cup so. holders, he needs to get like big props for the cup holders <laughs> because think well, about it. They've got to be as big as a pail, right? I mean, how would you remember how and, and you they've get? adapted those so that you could put multiple sizes? But originally, <laughs> it was just this big hole, and if you didn't have that big cup, you can't use that seat holder, right? <laughs> Good business birthday. I, I like this one. I like that one a lot. So Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. Stanley. All right. As many of you know, uh, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group, and we would like you to check them out by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo, which is a shark called Sharky. Arr, and I always do the pirate as a shark. Sharky the shark. What can I say? All right. So this week... Um, there's always things on sale at Deep Discount, and it's not just movies. It's also books and games and and tons of stuff. Uh, Tim has bought vinyl albums there. Everything under the sun is at Deep Discount and at great prices. Um, so start your shopping now. And consider to put in your cart a couple of new releases that are in sets. And so there's a studio that's releasing three different collections based on actors and actresses. I like this a lot because I'm like, let's say I'm a Cary Grant fan. It's wonderful to have all his movies collected and to watch them in semi-chronological order usually shows you the evolution of the actor. So the first set is someone called Audie Murphy. Now, I did not know who this was, but I'm going to read you a little bio here. He was uh, born in 1925 and died in 1971, an American soldier, actor, songwriter, and rancher. He was one of the most decorated American combat soldiers of World War II. He received every military combat award for valor available from the U.S. Army, as well as French and Belgian awards for heroism. Murphy received the Medal of Honor for Valor that he demonstrated at the age of 19 for single-handedly holding off a company of German soldiers for an hour at the Colmar Pocket in France and Germany, uh, in France in, in 1945, then became a leading successful counterattack while wounded out of animation. Murphy was born to a large family, and then he ended up going into films. And his, what does it say? His dad, his father abandoned them, and his mother died when he was a teenager. He left school in fifth grade to pick cotton and find other work to help support his family. His skills also included hunting, riflery, and um, 
fishing and stuff like that. But then he became a basically a Western movie star, right? Yeah, I'd never heard of him either. I looked his name up or I looked up to see what he looked like. And um, I kind of thought maybe I recognized mm. him. But um, but I know I have not or uh, you and I both talked that this was somebody we did not we did not know. And it'd be interesting um, knowing his background to watch a couple of his films. And and so what's cool about this is my guess is they put three of what they probably feel are the best or, or, or a good uh, representation of his work together. And uh, they're available on Blu-ray at deep discount. So I think that's pretty yeah, one cool. Of the, one of the pictures, he stars opposite Walter Matthau, a young Walter Matthau. So that's really cool. Wow. Now, the next set that's also being released uh, at deep discount is the Carol Lombard Collection Series 1, or Carol Lombard Collection 1. Now, we all know who Carol Lombard is. She's an American actress, particularly noted for her energetic, <laughs> often offbeat roles in screwball comedies. <laughs> <laughs> this was fascinating. She was the highest paid star in Hollywood in the late 30s, and in 1999, the American Film Institute ranked Lombard 23rd on the list of the greatest female stars of classic Hollywood cinema. I mean, not a bad title, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm sure I've seen a couple of these movies, but I'm oh, not sure. Oh, you know Carol Lombard. She she starred <laughs> office in yeah. William Powell. She's, 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 classic and so this is a great collection to have and the last one is another one of my favorite actors and um that is tony curtis collection so why don't you tell us about tony well he um they said that he achieved he had a a career that went or spanned six decades which uh i was shocked about when i heard that but i guess we all know the ubiquitous right the ubiquitous tony curtis born bernard schwartz i wonder if you if you if you and i had a had a would you have picked a different name? Like if you went to Hollywood and someone says, you know what, you can't use John Nash, you got to use something something else. What would you, did, would you be able no. to, I guess the studios just they, gave you a name. Well, you went into the publicity department and then they were like, you know what, you are a Joan Fontaine or you're like whatever, right? <laughs> you're Rock you Hudson. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Tony Curtis, as we know, but uh, born Bernard Schwartz. But um, they said he was really popular in the 50s and 60s, had over 100 film roles, and many of them were, were in the com- they ranged from comedy to drama, and they said a lot of them took into account his appearance or his sex appeal, I guess, for his for his good looks. And uh, although he did do some some great movies and was a uh, was a great actor, but a lot of times they felt that uh, he was chosen based on his looks. But isn't that what you go to the theater for? Oh, totally, a lot of times totally. Leading man. Yeah. A lot of people know yeah. Tony Curtis for one of his most famous roles, which is Some Like It Hot with Jack Lemmon. Some Like It Hot. But um, things like Little Miss Marker, there are some great titles on this particular collection that you would not normally see on broadcast TV or streaming because they're not necessarily like the biggest films. But that's why I love these three collections. So just to give you a recap again, the three collections that are being released, uh, and you've got to check them out on Blu-ray, Audie, what is it, the uh, Audie Murphy Collection, Mostly Westerns, super cool guy with a great background. Carol Lombard Collection 1, which means there's probably a second one coming because she was very prolific in film. And the Tony Curtis Collection on Blu-ray. Right. So head over to Deep Discount. You'll get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo and start shopping away. We're most appreciative of our partners like Deep Discount that bring us to you each week. So thanks for supporting them. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with some shop talk. 
You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. You're listening to The Focus Group. I said to my girlfriend just the other day, monsters are interesting, I said. With Tim Bennett and John Nash. And I'll bet you meet a lot of interesting people, too. Hey, welcome back to The Focus Group. Another rejoin that was a Tim Bennett find, an old Bugs Bunny line, which I love. Uh, so, as we said, as Tim teased before the break, a uh, little shop talk today, one that I came across that I like, and it's uh, the headline reads, Mental Coach shares f- the four mindsets that help you succeed and the ones that hold you back. <laughs> There's always a Debbie Downer in some of these, right? There's always a Debbie <laughs> Downer doing something. So mindsets are foundational to how we think, learn, and behave. With regard to the brain, mindsets mindsets are neural connections that help filter and interpret certain information. And apparently a mindset is what we look at everything through, and if it's good or bad, it's going to impact our movement through the world. So having the right mindset can help you achieve success, according to this. So what is our first mindset? So it says, uh, so the first one was have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So they say that uh, those of us who have a growth mindset believe I can change, develop, and improve my talents, abilities, and intelligence. Well, those with a fixed mindset believe that things are unchangeable. It is what it is. So uh, they said when you have a growth mindset, you're more willing and able to learn new skills, and you're more open um, to a certain degree as to improving your talents. I, I looked at this as overall as, as uh, I guess you could say attitude too, mm-hmm. right? Having the right attitude. Yeah, I agree. And, and um, so I thought that was, you know, be open to opportunity uh, or be open to improving your skills that you possess and uh, maybe taking a class. I know you've done that, huge fan of animation. And rather than just saying, uh, I should have studied animation, you went ahead and studied animation. And then I figured out that so. maybe I shouldn't <laughs> Well, or maybe it, maybe it's more of it's a art. maybe it's more of a hobby yeah. that, or an art than it would be um, a realistic career right now based upon your life stage. But but it, to your point, that figures into a growth mindset. Saying I'll take a class, I'll do this, and whether or not that yeah. it, it's a, a linear line through to you doing something along those lines, it still improves your um, your mindset. So this next one, uh, let's see. This one is interesting. I mean, we've heard these phrases thrown around. Have an open mindset versus a closed mindset. Those with an open mindset are open to new ideas and have a willingness to take seriously suggestions from others, whereas those with a closed mindset believe they know what is best. So that's almost self-explanatory in my mind. An open mindset allows you to engage in higher quality information gathering, you're going to be interacting with your colleagues and people around you differently because you are looking right. for input and looking to have your decisions kicked around a bit and critiqued, and you're going to use that to improve. And when they say, if you want to develop that type of mindset or to improve it, ask questions, invite feedback, look for new perspective, and think as positively as possible to spark openness and creativity. Would you say of the two, are you, are you clicking into any of these so far? Are you an open mindset? 
Well, I thought that the first two were similar. There was a slight difference. Yeah. yeah, there was a slight difference. You know, open versus closed versus uh, fixed, and um, what was the what was the uh, the for growth and growth fixed. fixed? I I um, what was that thing we always said to somebody? If somebody gives you, a, if somebody offers you take advice it. or a mint, take it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the it's kind of the feedback thing of. Do you accept feedback or can you accept feedback? Sometimes um, it's important to accept feedback. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, so I think that kind of depends upon where you, where you are, where you accept it. But in a work, in a work um, situation, and you and I've been in, you appreciate feedback because that'll help you. Maybe we misinterpreted something. Maybe we need to go down a different track or. Or perhaps we don't know the full story of something that may be going on with a client. So the feedback is helpful to say, hey, you know, I, I understand where you're going here, but we need to pivot because of A, B, and C. So the feedback's important, and, and that growth mindset is important uh, as One well. One thing, as you were talking, I'm going to mention is if you are in a position to present to people or you're sharing an idea or you're on a team, sometimes there are— the way people act when they receive information might betray a different mindset that you are expecting. So like Tim has an open mindset, but if he's sitting in a room and he's seeing a presentation given by an agency, he's going to not say anything for a while. And, and a lot of me, me types want instantaneous gratification and feedback. And so I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not getting the feedback. And then after the presentation, you realize, no, they're totally open to what I was saying. They were just being extremely good listeners and synthesizing the information differently than I thought they were. I don't know. Right. Letting you, right. Letting you, letting you say what you needed to say. Right. Now this next, do you want to do the next one? You want to do the next one? Yeah, no, number three was have a promotion mindset versus a prevention. Oh, no, this was no, yours. Go yeah, go ahead, do this one. <laughs> have, have a promotion mindset versus a prevention mindset. They said those with a promotion mindset focus on winning and achieving goals. For example, a person with a promotion mindset will have a clear goal and actively shoot for it. On the other hand, those with a, I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? A promotion. A promotion mindset means you're going to shoot yeah. for a goal. A prevention mindset means you're just going hold to steady. Uh, focus on hold steady. Things are the way they are. I show up at nine o'clock. I leave at five. That's you're not it. putting another iota of energy in. Yeah. No. And you develop a promotion mindset by identifying clear goals, like a destination. We're going to get to this point here um, instead of avoiding risks. And right. the last one we have here from these four mindsets um, and how to cultivate them is outward versus inward. People with an outward mindset tend to see others as equals, while people with an inward mindset see themselves as being more important. Now, I'm sure that as people are listening to this, that they're like, aha, I've encountered <laughs> a number of these, right? Yeah, no, the the inward and outward, I... I you disagree? Yeah. No, I, I think this, to, for me, again, I'll say it all wraps up into attitude or circumstance, yeah. right? And because you, I think all of us exhibit some of these one way or the other, depending upon circumstance or depending upon who we're dealing with, right? Could, could you be, if you said in personal relationships, are there times where you have an outward mindset or at times, times when you may have an inward mindset? Yeah, I agree. Or do you think you're? Or do you think you're always? No, the same? I agree. I think this one vacillates depending on the situation, right? 
So if you look right. at how they, uh, people with an outward mindset tend to see others as equals, right? People with an outward mindset see the value in others. Um, inward, uh, more inclined to walk over others to be successful. We've all met people who are on that path, and they and that catches up to them sooner or later. So I agree with you, though. Sometimes maybe maybe we're misinterpreting the mindset for like selfish behavior or behaviors in general as opposed to just the overall thing. Right. So, because you could say somebody's stubborn and they're not going to change, and that's and, and, and that's that. and actually that's like an inward mindset, right? Right. Yeah, I think a lot of this when I when I read this and you found this article, I thought the big the big part of this was about attitude, yeah. and and um, we can all be victim of having either a negative thought or a bad attitude or something regarding work or or again friendships or other things and. It's better to have a better attitude is, is kind of what this is saying is be be open to feedback, be willing to grow, be willing to learn, be willing to accept, um, accept that maybe you don't know everything versus, well, this is just the way it is. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to address it. I'm just going to stay to myself. And so I, um, although I always say it's easier said than done. I mean, we've all encountered people that exhibit all of these traits and I think I probably have exhibited them most of most of my life one way or the Dude. other do you do you are, student work do you, do student you think so work student, student work. work I'm just relaying to Tim a private joke about one of my first interviews out of college as someone's flipping through my portfolio she was angry and that was an inward mindset like I could student work student work student work well, did you say my favorite part about that was it was the 80s, right? So what do so you it's do? Right, right out of yeah. one of these 80, right? You probably had a cigarette. She in her did. Hand. She smoked yeah. inside. It was people know. still smoked. And yeah, and and flipping through your portfolio, Stupid. you probably Stupid. did something in Indian ink, and then you did a little little logo. You probably made a logo and a postcard and letterhead because we all had to do that letterhead and your your business card. So what do you do Stupid when you're not part. working? Well, I like to hang out with friends and go to movies. Hang out with friends and go to movies. <laughs> student work, student work. Sit in front of the fireplace, have a glass of wine. Can I tell you something? Friends, it was such movies. a traumatizing experience that I detest. <laughs> you're still talking about I detest resumes like and interviews to this day because... There's someone you're sitting in front of who has the power to literally ruin your day and make you feel like nothing. All she had to do was say, your work is very typical of what I see coming out of school. It looks good. Here's what we do here. You know what I mean? Like, there's ways of doing that. But I, I found out later, someone told me, oh, she was having a bad day. Well, I was having a good day, but then my day went bad with student work. St movies and singing. <laughs> But I do always wonder about somebody like her. Yeah. You know, what what else would you have other than student work at that I know. point, right? I Unless know. you, and I always laugh about that sometimes. Where somebody says, "Well, what did you do? What, what was you?" Yeah. Well, I, I we had to make money to pay for school. I didn't have the option to go backpack around <laughs> Europe. So yeah, there you <laughs> right? go. So, yeah. So, well, that's what happens. So, uh, so that's the mental coach shares four mindsets. Do you think you could be a coach? I, I, I met someone the other day decided they're going to change their career and be a life coach. That's kind of what this guy is, right? This person. Life coaches are able to say and do things without a tinge of judgment. So I'm going to tell you right now that ain't a career for me. I will no. sneak in. I mean, I try. But I'll end up. You'll give advice, but you'll also. Judge. You think so? You'd give advice, but you might be a little, a little judgy. Well, a little judgy. You didn't save any money for retirement. So that's <laughs> tough. It's too late now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You really nailed me perfectly. Yeah. Well, you, know, you should have thought about that at twenty-five. I'll, I'll have the right. I'll have the chicken Caesar salad. <laughs>
<laughs> now it's time for lunch. There you go. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That's John. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'll leave Mr. Nash on that note. Thanks for joining us today here on the Focus Group. Be sure to join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East. Find us uh, streaming at YouTube and or at our Facebook page, which is Focus Group Radio. You could also go to focusgroupradio.com and find all the platforms that our audio and video uh, shows are are uh, are located, as well as our Tuesday podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. We want to thank our friends at Deep Discount. Be sure to head over to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo. Start shopping away. John, it's a, it, is the name of the sale the three? Is it three series sale? Well, no, this, these are new releases. New releases. Yeah. Okay. So they're the new releases, and uh, I don't have it oh, in front of me, um, so John, if you run through them. It's the Audie Murphy Collection. Probably more Westerns than most, but the actor has an incredibly cool past, so that's worth checking out. Carol Lombard. Come on, you got to love Carol Lombard. And finally, yeah. Tony Curtis. So that's from our friends at, uh, at Deep Discount. We hope all of you have a great week. Remember, don't text and drive, arrive alive, and we'll see you on the Tuesday podcast Unbuttoned. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.